We're in Isaiah chapter number 46. I'm aware of the time. I, I don't plan on preaching long. I've asked the Lord to help me and to, uh, I don't want to say anything too, too, you know, crazy. I just want to get some truth out. I've cut some illustrations. I've done some of that. And, um, but it's a, it's a great truth. And so I want you to hear the message as, as we preach on uh, daily, serving God daily, the God that we serve every day. And, uh, and I want to talk about that. I want you to look at verse number five, where the Bible says, to whom will ye liken me and make me equal and compare me that we may be like? This, of course, is God speaking, Jehovah God, the only God. And he's speaking to the nation of Israel who had gotten into a horrible pattern of worshiping false gods. They'd make them little idols and go to little temples and, and carry around their gods. And, and uh, we'll allude to that in a moment. We'll see it in the scriptures in a moment. But, but God had had enough of it. And, and he finally just says, look, who, which one of those gods can compare to me? Which one of those gods that you are carving and, and that you are fashioning out of gold and silver... Which one of those gods that you are worshiping, which one of them can compare to me? We like to play the comparison game sometimes, and, and uh, I don't see James Goodall in here. I'm sure he's skipping church, but he loves, he loves LeBron James. Loves him, loves him. I don't know how he could worship a man like that, but he does, and uh, he worships LeBron. And he's always coming to me. Now listen, folks, anybody with half a brain understands I was just in a youth meeting. Am I being a little too blunt? I'm sorry. I need to be proper here in the house of the Lord. But uh, listen, if you have half a brain, you understand that Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. I would even say this. There's no comparison. There's no comparison. Now, I see Brother Nesbitt over here. I remember him in college. And if I remember right... Larry Bird, you like Larry Bird? Is that right? Larry Bird, all right, so he's given an amen, and uh, uh, he would argue that point. I would argue Michael Jordan, James Goodall would argue LeBron James poorly, and, you know, but still, he would argue it. Listen, folks, foolish arguments, because we all know the answer, but, but God is saying, who's like me? When you compare the stats of this little God that you had a goldsmith make over here and this little God, when you compare them to the God of heaven, who's equal to me? Who's as strong as I am? Who compares to me? The other day, we were in Costa Rica, and it was a great trip, senior trip, and took our seniors there. And one of the days, I think it was the first day that we were there, second day, we went to the Basilica. In Costa Rica, I had never been to any place like this before. I'd heard about it, had never seen it firsthand. But we go to this Catholic church, I guess, this basilica. It's beautiful. I mean, the structure is marvelous. It's magnificent, ornate, just decorated and painted and, and uh, expensive. And the floors are marble and they, they were shiny. I mean, just beautiful. And we went there, and the missionary, Brother Ed Bordell, told us what to expect. And sure enough, just like he said, uh, 
what happened, it happened. We saw people get on their knees. And that hard marble floor there in Costa Rica, they, they would get on their knees all the way at the back of the church. And it was a long church, as long as this building, maybe even a little longer. But they would get on their knees and they would just crawl. crawl. On that marble floor, they would crawl. They would get all the way. I mean, once they got halfway, you could see the pain in their face. The elderly people. I mean, people who, who are having a hard time walking and now they're crawling on their knees. I saw a young couple. I was especially moved by this. I saw a young couple. They had a newborn child. And, and on their knees, they're, they're crawling with this baby pain on their face and getting all the way, all the way up to the altar. And, and they're lighting candles and saying prayers, counting the, the beads and the rosary. And after that, we went down just, just behind the building and, and they have a, a rock there that they say is St. Peter's Rock. And, and they say that years ago, the, the Virgin Mary appeared in a vision there and now there's some water coming over that rock. And Brother Bordell explained to us how uh, these folks uh, believe that there's some power in that water and some power because Mary appeared there apparently. There's some power in the, in the rock. And, and so they can go over here and they can buy a little trinket, of course, buy a little something and go to Peter's rock and throw it in and, and then they we saw it we saw it when we were there we saw ladies taking the water and rubbing it on their hair and maybe rubbing a wound and, and pregnant ladies rubbing it on their stomach thinking that that there's some magic in this water people had little water bottles and they were filling it up taking it home and and, and look hour after hour I mean, you go there right now, I have no doubt there's people crawling on their knees. Boy, as a Christian, my heart was grieved. As a Bible believer, my heart was grieved because I know the truth. I know that all of that faith and all of that effort is misguided. We know that. We know that God's not impressed with a candle or impressed with, you know, there's no special water out there. Uh, we understand that. No statue will ever talk back to them, no matter how big, no matter how ornate, no matter how impressive. And I'm telling you, this place was impressive, but not one time will that statue answer a prayer or do anything for them. And we understand that. In the Old Testament, they worshiped heathen gods, God, gods made with hands and gods that were carved with tools and, and painted. In the New Testament, Paul uh, preached on Mars Hill and, and very much the same thing that, that was uh, in the Old Testament, happening in the New Testament, devotion uh, to an unknown God, a God that doesn't know them and that they will never know. And we look at that today, we say that's foolish. We, we look at that today and we say, I feel sorry for those people that are so misguided that they would... Put all that effort in and all of that, all of that work into pleasing a God that isn't even real. We, 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 feel, we feel bad for, how many of you say, Brother Judah, I feel bad for people like that. Would you raise your hand? Absolutely. See, we know the truth and the truth set us free. But, but here's the message tonight. I'm, I'm going to be quick with it. Here's the message. Yes, they worshiped gods in the Old Testament, 
carved with hands and, and painted. And, and, uh, and even around the world today, people are so misguided that, that they'll crawl on their knees on a marble floor along a long stretch and light a candle and, and think that that's doing something for them spiritually. But today, in the church, I'm talking about in this room right now, in my life and in your life, if we're not careful, we worship little g-gods. We've got idols in our life. No, we don't, we don't light a candle or rub some holy water on it. It's not that at all. But, but there are gods that we live for daily. There are gods that get our attention every day. There are gods that require our mental effort and, and our heart is with these gods and our money goes to these gods. And I wonder sometimes if God is in heaven looking at us saying, man, which one of your gods compares to me? Which one of your gods is equal to me? Even in the church, there are insignificant gods being worshipped, false gods that have worked their way into the lives of Christians, that have found a way uh, to replace the true God, false gods, uh, little g gods, uh, and we're devoted to them, and they occupy our time and our effort. I I'm talking about, and listen, there's, there's a million of them we could name, but, but I'll just throw some of them out. Uh, there's a little g god right here. Right here. And we're devoted to it. And we live for it. And we think about it every single day. Now, this one's close to home. How about this guy right here? Little G God. I mean, our society is stuck on sports. It is, it is more than a distraction for some. I mean, we think about it all the time. We're, we're all in and, and uh, we live for it. Let the Super Bowl have, you know what? Hey. And I said I wouldn't go off on any rabbit trails, but I'm going to go ahead and do it right now just to prove the point. Let the Super Bowl take place and churches will cancel services on Sunday night. Friend, we are worshiping a little G God. That, that just goes to show in the church. And I wonder when we have our Super Bowl parties and, and, you know, there's no church on Sunday night. I wonder if the God in heaven is saying, who can compare unto me? You cancel church for a ball game. That's crazy. But little g-gods, the gods of money, the gods of entertainment, the gods of education. Boy, we go to school endlessly and, and uh, uh, we're all about it. We get degree after degree and all of our time and all of our effort and, and oh man, we got to have another diploma. Won't send the kids off. Hey, Okay, you know what? I was in a youth meeting the other day, and so I, I just, it's, it's in me. Is that okay? Are we okay? Everybody okay? Won't send the kids to the uh, uh, Christian college. Afraid to do that because, you know, we've got to get them something. Come on. Come on. Just, look. We worship this God. I mean, in the church, we're giving lip service to Almighty God, but in our life, we're worshiping these little gods. How about, how about the God of entertainment right here? Man, you can't go five minutes without it. You can't go, you know, a day without, without the phone, without the connection, without the signal. All of our time, all of our energy occupied with the little G gods. And friends, if you are honest with yourself, 
you will admit that these gods are present in your life. They're present in my life. I mean, it's a constant correction. It's a constant uh, uh, getting right with God and putting him in the place where he belongs. So I want to ask you some questions tonight about the gods in your life, these little G gods that replace Jehovah God. I want to ask you some questions. I want you to think about it. I want you to identify some of these gods that you're living for. Be honest with yourself. If pastor were here, he'd say, draw a circle around yourself and ask God to speak in that circle. And that's what I want you to do tonight. The little G gods, the gods of comfort, just living for the next vacation, the next life of ease, the, that thing that you're worshiping. I want to ask you some questions from Isaiah chapter number 46. How strong is that God? How, how, how great is that God that takes the place of Jehovah God in your life? Let's pray and then we'll, we'll ask four questions to be done. Father in heaven, I pray you'd bless the message. Lord, make it understandable and just touch it. And God, would you please, please, please uh, help the message to be clear and convicting tonight. Speak in a way that I absolutely cannot. And Lord, by the time we're done, help us to take these false gods, lay them at the altar, leave them there, and to live for you daily. In Jesus' name I pray and ask these things. Amen. How strong is your God? And I'm talking about that little G God that gets in the way every now and again. That little G God that takes the place, takes the priority of the one true God. I want to ask you some questions about your God tonight. Number one, when we talk about your God, whether it's education or sports or money or entertainment or comfort or any other thing that you can throw in there, I want to ask you a question about your God. Number one, can your God lift burdens or is he a burden? Your God, can he lift burdens or is he a burden? Look at verse number one. Just look at, leave your Bibles out. Look at that. Uh, Isaiah 46, verse number one. Look at what it says. Bell boweth down, Nebo stoopeth. Their idols were upon the beasts and upon the cattle. Your carriages were heavy loaden. They are a burden to the weary beasts. They stoop, they bow down together. They could not deliver the burden. Look at verse number three. Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, which are born. Born by me from the belly, which are carried from the womb. Look at what it says in verse number four. Even your old age, I am he. Even to whore hairs will I carry you. I have made and I will bear. Look at verse number seven. These false gods, they bear him upon the shoulder. It's real simple tonight, my friend. This God that has taken the place of almighty God. I want to ask you a question about that God. Is he a God that can lift the burden or is he? a God that is a burden, a heavy burden. These verses, the false gods were a burden. They were heavy. Uh, they were carried by beasts. And even the beasts of burden could not carry them. The Bible says they would collapse and, and, uh, and it was too heavy of a load. Remember when Rachel left with Jacob? She stole her father Laban's gods and, and she took them and, and she hid them in the furniture of the camel. You remember that? And, uh, and she carried them off and, and these were apparently small gods and, and hand-carved idols made of wood, stone, uh, things that could easily be taken and hidden. But watch this. As people got older, 
those little gods didn't do anymore. As they got older, they encountered more of life. They needed a bigger God. As more trouble hit them, they would fashion gods that they could no longer carry, but gods that had to be put on animals. It's always true as men go through life and as the years pile on, uh, they need to have a bigger and bigger God because the problems get bigger and bigger and the pressures get bigger and bigger. Some of you that are older, you think more about death now than you did when you were in your 20s. You worry more about your health now than you did when you were a teenager. Hey, the longer you live, the bigger your God needs to be. And I've got a question for you. Your God that you've been worshiping, your God that, that, that has replaced the place of, of the true God. Hey, is he a God that lifts the burdens or is he a heavy burden? Sometimes we think it's hard to serve the Lord. We get this idea in the church, you know, that we're just, we're the last of the, the Christians, you know, it's so hard to serve the Lord. You know, you know, that is not true. Do you know that? Do you know, do you know that it is not a burdensome thing? To live for God? Uh, the Bible says in Matthew chapter number 11, uh, verse number 28, you know it, I'll read it. Uh, but the Bible simply says this, uh, talking about God, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Man, that's my God. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, you shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The next time you think it's hard to live for God, the next time you think it's burdensome, you know, to be a Christian, and boy, every day, that's going to be a problem every day, having to check, living for God every day. If you think that's difficult, why don't you remember what it was like when you were lost? Why don't you remember what it was like when you weren't living for God? God, when you were chained by sin, hey, the way of the transgressor is hard, and you give your life to these little G-gods, I'm going to tell you something, you'll get to the end of the day, and you'll realize this has been a heavy burden. Man, I want to live, hey, hey, my God is a God that can lift the burden. Burdens are lifted at Calvary, and that's all I'm going to sing. All right, but Jesus is very near, and when he's near, the burdens are lifted. He says, cast all your care upon me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Church, that's what the altar is for. I get these questions coming now. I don't understand. I don't understand the question. I get these questions all the time from our college students. And well, Why do we go to the altar? And what's the big deal about the altar? And where's the altar in the Bible? You know, I got thinking about this. I got thinking about Hannah. Hannah. In, in 1 Samuel... Chapter 1, maybe 2, but I think it's 1. But I got thinking about Hannah. The Bible says that she went into the house of God with a heavy burden. Man, she was troubled. She went into the church house and, man, she was weighted down. And, and, and she went to the altar. And, and when she came up off the altar, the Bible says about Hannah that she was no more sad. No more sad. 
Man, she went to the altar. She, she found a God who can lift the burden. Here's what's happening today. We're coming into the church. We've got heavy burdens. We go through the service. We barely sing the songs. We still have heavy burdens. We listen to the message. We still have heavy burdens. The invitation is given. We still have heavy burdens. A burden that education, sports, money, uh, entertainment, or anything else can't lift. We don't respond to an invitation. We never find a place with God. We walk out of the church just as burdened as we came in into the church and we carry it week after week after week after week and it was never designed to be that way whatever it is that you're burdened with tonight we have a God that will lift the burdens a God that lifts the burdens it's why we go soul winning isn't it isn't that why we go to some of the communities that we go to that are so depressed and and broken we go there because we know there's a God that can lift that burden. Sometimes we forget about it in our own life. We devote our time to these other little G gods. So my first question for you is this. Your God, your God, can he lift the burden or is he a heavy burden? I want to ask you another question. Your God, that little G God that we've identified in your life, the God that, that takes the place of Almighty God, who we ought to love with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength daily. The gods that get in the way of that. I said, number one, those little G gods, are they, are they a heavy burden or can they lift the burden? Number two, just a simple question. Do you carry your God or does he carry you? I mean, do you carry your God? Or does he carry you? Look what the Bible says. I mean, it's right there. Look, look, at, let me, look at verse number three. The Bible says, hearken unto me, O house of Jacob and all the remnant of the house of Israel, which are born by me from the belly, which are carried from the womb. Look at verse number four. And even to your old age, I am he. And even to whore hairs. You know what that says? That means all the way through. Man, from birth, from cradle to the grave. When you're old and, and tired and worn out, look at what the Bible says in verse number four. Even I will carry and will deliver you. Look at verse number seven, though. They bear him upon the shoulder. They carry him. You see that? They set him in his place and he standeth from his place. He shall not remove. Yea, one shall cry unto him. Yet he cannot, yet, yet can he not answer nor save him out of his trouble. See, these Israelites had a God that they, they made their God. They fashioned their God. They carved their God that they carried him around. My question for you tonight, we say, we say, that's crazy. That's crazy. Who would do that? I don't know, maybe in 2023, we walk around and we carry our gods. Hey, when it comes time to be carried, we've given our life and energy and money and attention and devotion, not to the one and true God, but to the gods that we carry around. Your God, your God, does he carry you or do you carry him? Who's doing the carrying? Some of us just need to admit tonight, I've been carrying around my God. Some of us just need to admit tonight, you know what? I, I've, 
than serving a God that, that I have carved, that I have fashioned. Let me just say this, uh, a God that is made with natural hands, a God that is made from a natural world. Listen, that's only going to take you so far. Uh, there are times in our life where we need supernatural help and otherworldly help. And in those moments, you're going to be glad you were serving a God that carried you, not a God that you were carrying. We uh, went... Have you ever looked back and saw how God guided your life, directed your steps? You ever done that? You ever said, man, it's a God, this is a God that, 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 that's carried me. Just the other week, last week I think it was, maybe two weeks ago, but we were in uh, Canton, Ohio. I took a handful of teenage guys. I was preaching at a church there last Sunday, and I took a handful of uh, teenage guys to the Bible Believers Baptist Church, North Canton, Ohio. I've gotten acquainted with this church the last few years, and and uh, really, I'm impressed with the pastor, just the whole deal, and great church. And, but while I was there on a visit once, I met the founding pastor of the church. His name is Pastor Art Martin, the founding pastor. He sits on the front row of the church now. He's in his 90s. He's blind. He can't see, can't drive. His wife has passed away. In his 90s, and the pastor, the new pastor of the church who was raised in the church, he picks him up for church and takes him home, and just their relationship is so neat. And so I was telling these guys on our way to Cadden, Ohio, I said, you're going to meet this guy, and I want you to pay attention to this older man of God. He's a blessing, and he was a brick mason by trade. And uh, uh, got saved, and God started working in his life, and he began having Bible studies there at his house. And uh, soon the Bible studies outgrew the living room, and they were having them in the basement, and soon there's 70, 80 people in the basement. He decided, well, maybe God's calling me to put the bricks down and to pick up the Bible full time. And, and so he started a church, and he built the church. Art Martin built it 50, 60 years ago took those skills that he had learned out in the world, and he literally, brick upon brick, he built the physical church building. And then for 50 years, he was used of God to build it spiritually. Marvelous man. And I wanted our teenage guys to meet this guy, and, but he wasn't there. He was, he was uh, home, sick, having tests, and not able to physically make it. And I even mentioned from the pulpit, I said, well, I wish Brother Martin was here. I'd like our guys to meet him. And after the service, one of the men came and they said, Brother Judah, would you like to go to his house? I said, yes. I said, if he could take visitors, I want to go to his house. I want our guys to meet him. And so we went to his home. And there he sat in his 90s, blind, no wife, can't drive, can't get to church. He even made this statement to the young men as we gathered there and spoke. He said, well, I know that my race is almost over. He said, I know, I know that I'm not long for this world. And he sat there and he began to tell us, you know what? It was, it was marvelous. It was the highlight of the trip. Ask the guys that were there. It was the highlight of the trip. He didn't sit there and complain about how he's blind and how he's sick and how he doesn't have long to live. He, he, not, a, not a word of that. He didn't sit there and talk about, you know, I mean, I'm sure he missed his wife, and, and, but he didn't talk about that. He sat there and he began to tell us stories, how he would win souls to Christ on the street and how that family came through soul winning and preaching that message. And, and now he can't, he can't read his Bible, but he's read his Bible through. 
Man, I'm forgetting now if it's 235 times or 400 and some odd times, one of the guys can help me. But, but I think it was, let's just lowball it. Let's just say he 200 and some odd times he's read the Bible through. I asked him. He asked me, he said, what are you going to preach on tonight? I said, man, I've had Isaiah 46. We were there at his place. I, I didn't end up preaching this message, but I said, I've had Isaiah 46 in my, in my mind. And before I could even finish the sentence, he piped up with, oh, Isaiah 46, the deity of God. Man, he's got it. He's been through that Bible many times. I mean, over the years. He's taken every page. He's, he's such a lover of the word of God that on one of his anniversaries, the church family got together and took every page of his Bible, every page, and, and they put wax paper on it. They didn't laminate it. He can still write on it, but, but they just did that at great expense. He, he handed us that Bible, and we're going through that Bible. Man, I handed it to teenage guys, and they're sitting there. I mean, it's It's remarkable. I wanted to say, hey, when you pass away, gift me that Bible. It'll be sermons for the rest of my life. You know, I got thinking about that guy. I bet he's glad tonight that all these years, he gave his time and his attention and his money and his devotion and his commitment not to a God that, could, that he could carry, but that to a God that could carry him. And friends, I don't want to get to the end of my day when I'm looking at the end of my race and have it dawn on me that all of my life, man, I lived for a God that I could carry. I, I lived for a God that I could put in my pocket. I don't want to get to the end of the race and realize that. I want to give myself today, daily, to a God, not that I carry, but a God that can carry me. See, we still worship gods that we can carry. And if you live for these gods, hey, teenagers, you live for these gods, what are you going to do when you're old? I don't, I don't like to think about that. Well, what are you going to do when you're old if you live for these gods that you can carry around, that you can tailor make to, to fit your, you know, likes and interests? And do we trust God tonight? These gods that we can carry, can they really help us when trouble comes, can they really help us uh, when our back's against the wall, when we're going through a fiery trial? And we trust our companies and our governments and our insurance and all of those things, but we need to trust the God that can carry us. Amen. When the doctor gives a bad report, what kind of a God is in your life tonight? When the doctor gives a bad report, a God that you can carry or a God that can carry you? When the government economy crashes and the world goes crazy, look, I don't want a God that doesn't work without Wi-Fi. I don't want a God that, that, you know, is useless without a signal. I like what it says there, verse number four, from, from even to your old age, I am he, even to your whore hairs, will I carry you? Man, what a great God. Psalmist said, I've been young, now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread. I can tell you about times when God has carried me. Our pastor could stand here tonight and tell you about times where God has carried him. Well, that's a God that's worth serving, isn't it? That's a God that's worth living for tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the rest of our lives. Next, I got to hurry. My time's up. I've got two more thoughts and I'll be done quickly. But we're talking about these little G gods.
gods that we walk around with. Your God, your God, is he a heavy burden or can he lift a burden? Your God, do you carry him or can he carry you? Your God, look if you would at verse number six. Look at this. They lavish gold out of the bag. Weigh silver in the balance. Hire a goldsmith, and he maketh it a god. They fall down, yea, they worship. They bear him upon the shoulder, carry him, set him in his place. He standeth from his place. He shall not remove, yea, one shall cry unto him. Yet can he not answer nor save him out of his trouble? My third question tonight about that little God in your life. My third question is this. Your God tonight, is he worth lavishing on? You see that word in verse number six? It says they lavish gold out of the bag. Literally, what that means is, is they would get a bad report. Read the end of verse number six. They would, they would have some trouble. Or verse number seven, they would have some trouble come their way. And man, a situation they couldn't handle, some trouble. So they would run to the goldsmith. They would open up the bag and they would, they would lavish, they would lavish gold out of the bag. Literally, they'd scatter the coins is what that means. They would pour it out. They didn't say, man, I've got some trouble. I need a $5 God. They didn't say that. They didn't say, you know, let's run to the dollar store and get a God. No, 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 no. In real trouble, they lavished gold out of the bag. Just poured it on there. I mean, everything. Just here it is. I want to ask you a question about your God tonight. Those little gods that get into our life. I want to ask you a question about your God tonight. Is he worth lavishing on? I mean, a God that cannot save you out of trouble, a God, a little G God that'll never answer a prayer, a little G God that you've actually formed and created, that God in your day of trouble, is he worth lavishing on? Uh, maybe I should ask you this question. When was the last time you lavished on Almighty God? When was the last time you just, just poured it out and, I mean, gave it all? And you say, well, Brother Jim, kind of like Mary, kind of like Mary at the foot of Jesus, taking that alabaster box and breaking it and pouring it all on him. Did the better thing, didn't she? When was the la what if we had a lavish on God Sunday? Some of us are getting nervous about checking off a few boxes, you know, every day. Oh, this is one more thing to do, you know. Listen, listen, isn't our God worth all of our time and all of our money and all of our attention and all of our devotion to lavish on God? He's worthy. I, I, I need to close. I'm going to ask you the last question. Your God, one last thing, your God, these little gods that, that subtly get in the place of Almighty God, these little gods that steal our attention Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday, and we've got to be reminded of the real God on Sunday. These little gods. I want to ask you a question about that God in your life. Can he say it and then do it? Look at verse number nine. 
Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God, there is none like me. Look at verse 10, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. You know what I love about God tonight? Man, exactly what he said in verse number nine and 10, he can say something and then do it. Declaring the end from the beginning, he says, my counsel shall stand and I will do all of my pleasure. That God that's in place of God Almighty tonight, can he say it and then do it? Do you see what I'm driving at today? Man, we, we lack power in the church because we're as foolish as people crawling on their knees at the basilica, thinking, thinking. You know, we show up to church on Sunday, and, and I'm glad you're here and put in your time. Man, listen, I, I'm preaching to me tonight. I'm preaching to me tonight. Like pastor says, we think we're killing the big one, you know. I went soul winning this week. Listen, how foolish are we to let these gods take all of our attention? These gods can't say anything. They can't do anything. And yet we've got a God Almighty who can say it and then do it. That's my God. That's the God that I want to live for. He stepped out on nothing and declared, let there be light. And there was light. Only God can do that. He went to a cemetery and said to a man who had been dead for four days, Lazarus, come forth. And the grave opened up and Lazarus came out. You see, I believe what my God says. I believe he's a God that can say it, that can do it. And he's worthy of all of my commitment. He said, there's a heaven, and now he's preparing a place for us. He said, there's a hell, and those that are lost without Christ will burn there forever. And watch, uh, he can say it and do it. Your God, your God. How about it tonight, church? I, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to be done. I'm done. How about it tonight? Your God. Who are you worshiping tonight? Who can compare to our great God? What other God? can lift the burden. What other God can carry us from birth all the way, all the way through? What other God can, what other God is worth lavishing on? Come on, what other God can say it and then do it? There's only one God like that, my friend. What can your God do? How strong is your God, that thing that you've been living for? Where are we at tonight as a church? Would you bow your heads, please, and close your eyes?